Pray with me, if you will. Lord, you live that death may die. Lord, you've made us alive with you. We praise you. We are thankful. And Lord, as um, we hear the word, may the words that come out of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. Lord, it's in the name of Jesus that we are able to pray, come, be made alive. Amen. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, uh, I see David in the back there. Go ahead and raise your hand if you don't have a Bible um, with you today. If you do not have a Bible at all, feel free to write your name in the front and uh, take that home with you. If... uh, if you're new with us or visiting this week, um, uh, we've been uh, going over the Apostles' Creed for the past, I don't know, 10 weeks or so. I don't know how long. Uh, but now is the last week, the last part of the Apostles' Creed. Um, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. We've been looking at it as, uh, uh, as in how or why do we believe these things that the church has held to for over a thousand years, almost two thousand years. And we've been checking these statements with the Word, the Bible, to see um, why we believe them, how we should think and live in response to these statements. So, as uh, we've been doing week after week, uh, I'll ask you that you stand and we'll read the Apostles' Creed together. Read along with me what is in green, and when we uh, see the text that is white, I, I will read that uh, by myself. So, let's read it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. This is what I'll read. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. And... What is a creed? You know, a very simplistic answer. It's a belief statement. What does the church believe? And this line is, what does the church believe about the resurrection and eternal life? Well, we believe in it. We believe it's resurrection of the body. And we believe it is a life that is everlasting. It's a, a belief that answers a popular question, a worldview question in our world. What happens after we die? Is there anything? If so, what is it? The world has many philosophical answers to it. Um, One of the deepest and most uh, really um, dignified answers is YOLO. (laughs) um, That's a joke. It's not really all that dignified, I guess. If you're not familiar, it's an acronym meaning you only live once. Therefore, you can really 
do whatever you want. You can party, you can jump off a cliff, you can, um, uh, you name it. Any, any, the excuse you need to do something crazy is YOLO. You only live once, so do it. Why not? Another, um, another cultural reference, I don't know if you've heard of Calvin and Hobbes. It's one of my favorite comic strips. I read it growing up. Um, I think Bill Watterson, I think, is the, is the author, the, the writer of all these comic strips, and he has one in particular about a bird that died, and Calvin, the little boy, finds this bird, and he's talking to his stuffed tiger, Hobbes, who comes, comes alive, and they're pondering on the shortness of life and how many people are thoughtless and they just go on without pondering that one day they will die, and then you're done. And so use your life, not in a crazy, I'm going to go jump off a cliff way, but in a thoughtful and less care about others sort of way. That last one sounds kind of nice, but I would say it's not the Christian perspective on what death and life really is. Yes, we're called to be thoughtful in how we live, to be kind to one another, but it's not because our lives are so short and that death comes so soon. But it's our Lord who gives us life, and our life now has a greater purpose. It is meaningful. It is filled with with the spirit and, and of good things. And so when we come to 1 Corinthians 15, um, the question we ask is, uh, really that Paul asks us, is do we believe this in vain? Are these just words that we say in a creed? Is the world right? Do we just live however we want because the resurrection isn't real? Or maybe it's, Maybe more subtle than that, that yes, we hold to the resurrection, but that's a future thing that doesn't apply to my life right now. And so we live how we want, because as long as I've said the prayer, as long as I was dunked in the water, attend church on Sundays, I can live how I want Monday through Saturday, and I'll be resurrected, and I'll have eternal life. But is that a vain belief? Is it an empty belief, a meaningless belief? Is our belief in the resurrection in vain? Reflecting uh, on this and the resurrection, Paul is writing to the Corinthians in chapter 15. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, verse 1, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. There it is. There's the question. Wait, what, what, Paul? Unless I believe in vain, what does that mean? How do we believe in vain? Instead of answering that question right off the bat, he goes into his own creed, a belief statement about what he preached to them, showing that this belief um, is true. Starting in verse 3. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. 
For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. There's the belief. There's the creed right there, that Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. We say very similar words in the Apostles' Creed. These past two months, every morning, we've been saying these words. We see that Christ, uh, all these things, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, is testified to by the Scriptures. That these words from the Old Testament um, prophesied about this one who would come, and Jesus did it. His resurrection is testified to by other authoritative sources. These witnesses, Cephas or Peter, the twelve, the apostles, 500 people saw him alive after the cross. So we have quantity and quality of people. Why do these things matter? Well, one, we can trust that the scripture is true. We see that the Old Testament is fulfilled. You see, oh, hey, it's true. How do we know that these prophets are true, that we should trust them? Well, if their prophecies become true, which we see in Christ that they do. We see that Christ's resurrection is historical. Why does that matter? Why isn't it just a, a mystical legend that we hold to? Yeah, it didn't really happen, but we like to believe it. Well, if it wasn't real, then is death defeated? Really? If Christ's death and resurrection isn't actual, then death isn't actually defeated. Why does it matter for us? Well, our lives can't be transformed. The things we're doing here today, even, are in vain. They're meaningless. This didn't actually happen. Paul follows that logic, starting in verse 12. Follow along with me. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Why am I here, up here on this stage, with this piece of paper and this book, if Christ has not been raised? We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. makes sense that if there is no life, you're left with death. Christ is still dead, and we are still dead. Walking zombies, dead in our sins. No hope. The ones who have gone before, brothers and sisters of the faith, the martyrs, our loved ones that have believed, just, just gone. If in Christ... We have hope in this life only. We are of all people most to be pitied. 
Bible calls us to rearrange our whole lives, to live a certain way every moment, to love God, to love others. We arrange our schedules uh, to come to church on Sundays, to do growth groups on Tuesdays, to meet with one another intentionally with, through discipleship. We text one another, hey, praying for you. Hey, been reading your Bible this week? If Christ is not raised, if we don't believe in the resurrection of Christ and our own sharing in, with him in the resurrection, all of that is meaningless. It is in vain. Thankfully, there's a conjunction here, a but in verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Christ has been raised. It is true. The Bible testifies to it. These witnesses testify to it. We see the life transformation. We saw it in Paul, that the resurrection and the grace of God is not in vain in his life. We see a man who is persecutor of Christians, now one of the greatest missionaries of history, proclaiming the word and the gospel to all in the known world. My preaching here is not useless. It is not in vain. Thankfully, my education at Trinity Three years of my life and lots of money, not in vain. Please pity me if Christ has not been raised. <laughs> Please pity me. But Christ has been raised. We can hold to that. I don't want to dwell too, too much on Christ's own resurrection because Pastor Lucas did a great job uh, several weeks ago. But it's important to recognize that Christ himself has been raised. Why? Because it's only through him in his resurrection, that we have our own. We believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, and it's only through Christ's own resurrection. And he makes us alive. He makes us alive. So now we can be free of sin, and we're no longer afraid of death. We can share in the victory of the empty tomb. We can see one another in eternal life. We can see our loved ones that have believed, our brothers and sisters who have died both recently and long ago. A real and meaningful eternal life. Not just a, it's, it's not a place where I get wings and a harp and I'm singing all day long and, oh. Thankfully, I'll have a perfect voice, I, I hope, <laughs> in heaven. But it's not just a, ethereal place where we become angels. That's not how it works. It's, it's a bodily resurrection. Resurrection of the body. We will be like Christ in that way. To share in that. Will we see one another, embrace one another, feast together at the dinner of our Lord and proclaim to one another the majesty of our God who raised us from the dead. So the belief itself is not in vain. See that it's true. We see that it changes people's lives. That it's effective. It's been testified to you by the scripture and by authoritative 
witnesses, and a lot of witnesses. And it's been carried on through a couple thousand years. We can see that the belief itself is meaningful, it's true. And what is Paul addressing? What is in vain? What is a belief that is in vain? What is a belief that is meaningless? Go down to um, verse 32. Same chapter. Paul readdresses this assumption. It's like, let's hypothesize that Christ is still dead, that there is no resurrection. He says, what do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? What does he gain, humanly speaking? Does he gain money? No. Does he gain position? No. Does he gain land? No. Certainly not popular. Gains nothing, humanly speaking. If the dead are not raised, then, quote, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Popular Greek philosophy back then. Let's just YOLO. Let's just live how we want. Let us party on if the dead are not raised. But Paul says, do not be deceived. He uses their own philosophy against them. He says, bad company ruins good morals. The Bible may have the quotes in there. He's using their own words against them. Say, do not be deceived. Avoid those that would tell you that there is no resurrection. Avoid those that would tell you that the resurrection only applies after you die. Avoid them, for they will corrupt you. Continues, wake up! Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Ooh, <laughs> put the aloe on and a band-aid, because burn. That was a lame joke, I'm sorry. But still, it stings. The philosophy of the world is to live how you want because in the end you'll die and nothing matters. But if Christ has been raised, which we see that he has, that he is risen, that this pleasure-seeking is fruitless. That is a belief that is in vain. It can... uh, Again, it can appear more subtly in, a, in a, a functional disbelief, a low view of eternity, that yes, I'll raise again, but right now, it doesn't matter. I urge you, as Paul urged the Corinthians, to be, to be sober, be vigilant. Do not indulge yourself in leisure. Do not indulge yourself in the pursuit of money or of power, or of sex, or of food, or the constant pursuit of having the next, next best thing, or the next best experience. We often want to pursue life-giving activities. And that, that can be good. We need what, can be, what we can call life-giving activities. We need rest. Let's keep it biblical. Keep it in perspective. And I think what Paul is urging us toward is a belief that 
maybe less of pursuing life-giving activities, but more life-given activities. Life-given activities. You've been given life. Now what are you going to do? You're going to eat, drink, and be merry? You're going to YOLO? Now what he says in verse 58 is this. It's the last verse of the chapter. I know I've gone over a lot of verses. There's too much there for me to to cover. What are some life-given activities? It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's not in vain. Be steadfast, immovable, hold to Christ, hold to the gospel that you've been preached, that has been preached to you. Hold to it. Hold tightly. Stick to sound doctrine. Do not waver. And then abound in the work of the Lord. Do good works. Do these life-given activities. Be fruitful and multiply. Make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do the, all that the Lord has commanded us to do. Be a part of these growth groups. Grow. Living things grow. Living things multiply. Living things bear fruit. And that's for us today. Believers are made alive now. Parents, raise godly children. Um, sorry, I'm a parent, so that's all I can think about right now is how to raise my son in that way. And it's a, it's a challenge. I'm trying to speak to those that aren't parents, so forgive me, but that's the metaphor I, I can really grasp onto. I don't think it's limited to parenting. It's, there's evangelism too. If you do not have children of your own, go make spiritual children. Paul, never married, never had any um, uh, progeny, never any sons and daughters, but he called Timothy his son. Go make disciples. Be fruitful and multiply. That's what it is. And you can still do things other than raising children and evangelizing. You can make art that glorifies the Lord. You can serve one another. We can come to the body and worship together, encouraging one another, growing the body, a living body. I can go on and on. These are all life-given activities. And he says, knowing that in the Lord, you can do this because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Notice he says labor instead of belief. Verse 1, or uh, verse 2, at the beginning of the chapter, he says, unless you believed in vain. So is it what is in vain? Is it the belief itself? No. It's belief without labor that is in vain. If you believe that there is a resurrection of the dead, if you believe that you, you have been made alive in Christ, you believe that there is an eternal life, you would do stuff now. You will labor. You will glorify God in the way you think and the way you act. You won't fear death 
as something to be avoided. You won't think of death as something, well, I better have my fun now. I was reading um, uh, a church father, Athanasius, if you've heard of him. Yeah, Tori, we were in the same class, we read it, read it together. But then he talks about the resurrection of the body of Christ, how believers share in that victory. And he talked about believers who train themselves for death. No longer fear death because through Christ they have victory over it. Train themselves for death. How do we train ourselves for death? Well, training, uh, when I think of training, I think of a discipline that's daily. You keep doing it. It's an over and over and over again experience where you practice these life-given activities. We recall the, the death that we were in and the resurrection that we're alive to now. Resurrection that we share in Christ. So do we believe this creed in vain? These past two months of going over the creed, believing in the Father who made the world, the Son who died, buried, and rose again, and the Holy Spirit, and the communion of saints, and the Holy Catholic Church. Do we believe that in vain? Do we live in vain? I would think not. If the Holy Spirit is working in you, if you are laboring in the name of Christ, you are very much alive. You know can have confidence that it is not in vain. Let me pray. Lord,